I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this episode in the red corner satan wants to keep it a family business in 1997's the devil's advocate keanu reeves he's always been there i know that now al pacino it's my time now (laughs) the devil's advocate While in the blue corner, it's one hell of a millennium party as Arnie versus Beelzebub in 1999's End of Days. How can you expect to defeat me when I am forever and you are just a man? Prepare for the end of days. So what connects these two movies and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to Clash of the Titles. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Chris Tilly. Hello, guys. Uh, so, who picked the movies this week? I did. Great. <laughs> so, tell us about what the connection is. Aren't we supposed to guess? Well, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we are supposed to guess. The guess is... Are they both films that feature horrific hallucinations? Yep. Are they both films that feature disturbing subway scenes? Yes. Are uh, they both films that feature... Orgies involving the devil. They do. He loves the threesome. Incestuous th- threesomes. <laughs> yeah. Um, are they both films that involve defeating the villain via suicide, killing, yes. killing their leads in the process? Yep. Are they both films that involve monologues about God and why he's not as good as the devil? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What I'm trying to say is there's a surprising amount of links. Let me tell you the connection in a way that's snappier than all of that. <laughs> right. If he can make it there, he'll make it anywhere. The devil takes Manhattan. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that also reminds me of Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, <laughs> which is noteworthy because it's the one where Jason Voorhees punches a man's head clean off. Oh, that sort of happens in um, mm. End of Days as well. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. Poor old Udo Kier. Yeah. So who gave who what? I've... Um, I gave 
you, Alex. Yes, Is that you right? did. Yeah, the devil's advocate. Right, we do it chronologically. So I will start with the devil's advocate. Woo! I know you're excited <laughs> about this, aren't you? <laughs> I could not help but overhear you yesterday going, (laughs) I can't wait to talk about The Devil's Advocate. It's a great film. It's a great film. film. I've seen it, I think, about five or six times. I don't know why I've seen it so many times. Have I paid for it each and every time? Is it always on at Christmas? That seems unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This week, I was given The Devil's Advocate, in which Al Pacino runs a successful New York law firm and makes the sensible business decision of recruiting a brilliant small-town lawyer, Keanu Reeves. Unfortunately, his wife, Charlize Theron, has a hard time adjusting to life in the big city. They don't like it here, Kevin. He knows the price of your soul. That's my introduction. <laughs> Is that, honestly? <laughs> see, yeah. It's very literal. Well, I, I thought I'd go very literal so we could remove all the necessity of talking about the plot. And I also like the idea of Charlize Theron fucking up Keanu Reeves' <laughs> life. Oh, my God. Oh, that's my God. A that's, Alex is reading of this film. <laughs> this poor woman. He this had, poor woman. He had everything and she's like, I don't like it here. <laughs> what a go home. People are mean to me. They won't tell me what colour to paint my apartment. The devil steals her ovaries. Of course she wants to go home. Oh, truly the greatest line in cinema. They took my ovaries, Kevin! <laughs> His name is Kevin, and it yeah. doesn't sound right, does no, it? it? Doesn't. Right. It's I'm... difficult. <laughs> He's the son of the devil, Kevin. Apologies <laughs> to any Kevins listening, but yeah. it doesn't sound right. Or, or congratulations to any Kevins listening. You aren't the son of the devil because <laughs> yeah. you cannot be a Kevin and be the Antichrist. He should have been called Chris. Well, yeah. that's in the that's in the other film, isn't it? And that is lame as you like. <laughs> So uh, let's crack on then with The Devil's Advocate from 1997. Uh, It was based on a book, I found out. uh, Kind of. Sort of, very loosely. But, I mean, do you think this is one of those stories, Vicky, that came from being a writer, that they just came up with the title and they had to, to, like... I knew you were going to say that. ...build the plot around it. Is it a title in search of a story? Exactly, yeah. Possibly, but in which case, why you don't need to knock it out of the park as (laughs) awesomely as you've done... There's a bit, I'm obviously skipping forward, there's a bit at the end when Kevin says to his dad, Al Pacino, but why the law, dad? And I thought he was going to say, have you ever heard the phrase, the devil's advocate? (laughs) (laughs) But by all accounts, the book wasn't very good. No, and the big difference is the book sounds like it ends on a downer because in the book, Keanu Reeves' character kills the devil and spends the rest of his life in jail. Oh. Yeah, it really ends on a bum note. Yeah. Which which was the ending of the original ending of Fatal Attraction as well, wasn't it? Which they they changed because people didn't like it. She she faked her own suicide in the end and he goes to prison for life for it. Mm. And then it just ends. Yeah. Oh. And audiences didn't like it even though it's a much better ending yeah. for Fatal Attraction and they they did a sort of happy ending where he gets his wife back mm. and she shoots him. So it's written by Jonathan Chris help me out. Lemkin. Jonathan Lemkin uh, wrote it, and uh, he's also written Lethal Weapon 4, Red Planet, and Shooter. Uh, But Tony Gilroy of the Mm. Bourne films, uh, famously, was brought on board by the director, Taylor Hackford, to really get this into shape. Are you a big Tony Gilroy fan? Massive. Absolutely massive. Have you ever seen um, The Cutting Edge? 
Yes, I oh certainly have. Oh my god, I love that film. And it's obviously the ones are amazing. Can I guess what it might be about? Oh yeah, please do because you will <laughs> like think of who Tony Gilroy is and yep. what he does. Yep. It's called The Cutting Edge. Go pitch. Is it about a amnesiac hairdresser who turns out to be a super spy and uses all the tools you would find in a hairdresser to fight crime? Like Bourne, but a hairdresser. Right. Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> Do you honestly want to know what it is? It might come up in a future episode of this podcast. <laughs> I'd like that. Yeah, it would be so good. It's, Go on, um, then. it's a figure skater gets paired with a disgraced ice hockey star and they have to win, um, I think it's an Olympic championship. So he teaches her like really risque tricks, but she has to like get him from um, sort of unmolded, rough bloke into a pristine figure skater. It's fucking brilliant. It's well, brilliant. Like what would, could we do that with Goon or... Blades of Glory. Blades of Glory, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. (laughs) Um, All right, so back to the devil's advocate, though. Uh, Let's just set the scene. Keanu Reeves is a very successful hotshot small-town lawyer who has never lost a case. And what's important to him, regardless of his client's guilt is that he still wins the case. And this manifests itself in a pretty horrific opening. Mm. Yeah. I don't think you are allowed to shout at children that are a witness or they're part of the prosecution. (laughs) Because she's accusing her maths teacher. He is a paedophile. Yes. And he has touched this young girl. Uh Uh-huh. Allegedly. Allegedly, until we kind of realise... We we believe he has done right. it. Because when she's describing the horrific act, the paedophile teacher starts horribly massaging the table with his fingers. You know it's not just the table, don't you? What? So... Yeah. No, I know he didn't just massage a table no, no, in front as, of her. As a crime. No, in that scene, I, this, I, as I said, I've said this film a million times and I watched it again in the week and I'd never noticed this, but he isn't just touching the table. He got wood. Yeah, he's oh. like, yeah, he's fully... He's, hand in fully oh i didn't so, see that yeah bit. i didn't see it until this i was like i can't believe i've missed that and, all those and not times. for the first time in this movie keanu reeves looks very confused yeah you would do i suppose i mean it's deeply inappropriate but also i don't know i mean i think he looks confused because he genuinely believed this guy was innocent until the guy made the big mistake a really big mistake. <laughs> going, time for a court wank <laughs> <laughs> he's been caught wanking <laughs> really good that's really good uh, now Keanu Reeves decides actively with a real devilish grin in the toilets where he's thinking what should I do he decides to go hard on the kid it's, um, can I say it's not a devilish grin by the way what he was doing in that moment he's decides that he's going to go out and do that and he's checking his teeth to see if there's anything in there it's this arrogance and vanity that he's trying to show in the first scene of the oh. movie that will carry on throughout the film. Oh, I didn't... oh that makes sense. That's I thought, clever. I thought it was the manifestation of like father, like son. And at yeah. that point, he was doing a devilish grin because as we find out later, he is the devil's son. Yeah. Spoiler. And Al Pacino's teeth probably have their own trailer for this <laughs> and his laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got very clean teeth because he cleans them throughout this movie with his tongue <laughs> every <laughs> single scene. Yeah. But let's go back to this initial case. So yeah. Keanu Reeves goes, I'm going to I'm going to do the wrong thing and I'm going to have my client acquitted of this horrible act and he goes he goes at the kid and he goes basically, I have a doodle that you did in <laughs> maths class where you've written this teacher is such a huge hog monster. He probably eats a thousand pancakes for breakfast. I thought. If, I just. I thought the the girl playing the girl is really good, she and is. it's just quite heartbreaking as well because she's such a sweet girl. And the worst thing she can think to say about someone is he eats a thousand pancakes for breakfast. Mm. Like it's meant to make you mm. realize what a shit Keanu Reeves is being. 
I don't think it would have quit. I was hoping we weren't going to dwell on this scene for as long as <laughs> yes, we it's have. It's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, it's a very good scene, but it's... Um, um, but how has he been winning all these cases? Because he's so good. Yeah. <laughs> because he's been... He knows juries, how juries think. Yeah. Because he's been listening to them through a hole in the toilet. Yes. What is that hole for? What's he doing hanging around that hole? <laughs> I mean, you know what they're for. Yeah, glory hole. It's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> He'll say it. Yeah, I'll say it. I just thought it was very strange that this was his. His. This is how come he's such a good lawyer. Yeah. But it's interesting, you know, that this open uh, that this movie is all about a series of of moral decisions that yeah. that Kevin has to make, and this is the first one, and he gets it so badly wrong that I think the rest of the film is just inevitable. And then obviously his wife Charlize Theron, who's fucking brilliant in this she loves taking the money so her downfall is sewn in as well which is another reason it's so brilliant so yeah he goes to new york and al pacino uh, goes i'd like you to be here at my law firm and he chooses quite an exquisite location to propose this to keanu uh it's a, a balcony mm-hmm. that looks <laughs> over new york it is also a health and safety fucking nightmare yeah, it gave me real that. genuine anxiety that scene did now in that scene are you scared of heights a little bit, yeah. And that made me even more scared of heights, just seeing <laughs> yeah. that on the telly. I wasn't scared until I saw how unstable Al Pacino's shoes are, because that is yeah. a hell of a heel. Yeah. He's wearing a Cuban he's heel, wearing isn't he? Cuban heels. I did not like that. Now, But that doesn't pay off, does it? Because he's, he's wearing Cuban heels because he will have a cloven foot. And is that what it is? Yeah. Ah. Because that's weird to me, because Keanu looks at his But he doesn't have horns. Feet. Yeah, yeah, so why would he? I thought, I mean, he does a bit, he does a bit of flamenco dancing does, later, so yeah, maybe I it was to tie bit. in with the flamenco dancing. Because like, I love that as well. Like, he gets up, and him and his teeth get up, and he's like, I'm going to do the... And it's like, is the flam- Is it evil mm. then? I don't know. Uh, I think it is. I think that's how he gets himself in the mood for some under-the-table oral sex, because that Oh, happens. yeah, that's a terrible um, moment. But and that- it's the fact that he... I just, you know, if someone makes eye contact with you when they're having oral sex performed, on the, it's a very disturbing thing. I've had it happen to me. and the You've guy, had what happen to you? <laughs> which, which bit of the story? A man look at me while he's having oral sex I really, performed I really on himself. I really hope that's not true because I just hope that's not true because I don't want to think that that's the world. I you. walked into the wrong room at the wrong time. Um, but interestingly, <laughs> but he didn't that... look away. He did not look away. That was the thing. There was no embarrassment. It was just like, maybe you want to leave. Oh, God. That's <laughs> so awful. I'm sorry. That is so awful. Mm. Fucking and men. Did you leave or did you stay and join in? <laughs> I fucking left. I ran out of there and it was my bedroom. <laughs> Oh, oh Dad! <laughs> For God's sake! Oh my you can God. cut anything out you want. You can cut it out. Don't cut it. You are firing on all the cylinders. Pow, pow. Have some of that. Uh, back to the devil's advocate. Uh, that that balcony. Can we? That balcony. Can we? Can we talk about a movie featuring the devil as a way of making this show better? <laughs> That balcony terrace as well, there was no blue screen or or green screen used for that. That's all real. But what you can't see is there's an edge just below them on all sides. So if they'd fallen, they just would have fallen down to that level. Is that when your heart palpitation stopped? Yeah, but that was the second time watching it, listening to the commentary, because yes, I did buy another bloody DVD. (laughs) And let's just check if you uh, passed your A-levels. What is Al Pacino's name as the devil in this film? Oh, I know. It is John Milton, a.k.a. Paradise Lost. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't author. known as Paradise. John Milton, <laughs> a.k.a. Paradise Lost. No, I, sorry, I wrote it. I don't, it's, it's not my nickname. All right, very good. You get A stars. Um, so the real villain, and I know Al Pacino is the devil, 
The real villains in this are those two women who are so nasty to Charlize Theron. They drive her insane. Like, with... It's not them driving her insane. It's her dick husband not coming home, helping her make a baby. If he helped her, if he supported her. At what point do you let someone else just choose the colour of the paint in a room? I think that's (laughs) fine. You know, it's like... What? In my actual real life, when me and Mark moved into our first flat that we bought... We, I chose the colour of the bedroom. I was really excited because it was our first flat that we were allowed to paint. And I painted it a very Edwardian green. And I was really proud of it. And I thought it was gorgeous. And it was really, it's a really dark shade. I was like, it's beautiful. I went away for the weekend and I came back and he'd repainted the room. <laughs> he didn't like it. He'd repainted the whole room. Yeah, I, I'm all about these husbands who support and help their wives. I couldn't my God. believe it. Did his boss at the law firm tell him to do it? <laughs> I'd cut my hair as well, so... Uh, the the term boning is used quite a lot in yeah. this film. Wait, uh, so remind me where it is because it stuck out to me. So it's yeah. Alexander Cullen uh, who is yes. the triple murder yeah. guy. Yeah. Who yeah. basically this is the big sort of Alexander Cullen has been accused of murdering his kid, no, the nanny. Ste- it's his wife's stepson. So it's, I think that's done on purpose to make him seem he's evil, but he's not the most evil. Right. So it's his wife's stepson. So it's twice removed. D- did you guys see the Jinx, the HBO documentary? Yes. I thought that there were there were elements of um, Robert Durst in this character, like uh, a, a billionaire New York property magnate who's got getting trying to get away with murder. Well, interestingly, this whole project, which had been floating around for quite a while, actually gained traction after the O.J. Simpson trial when oh. he was acquitted. Yeah, and everyone was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, and that's at the thing. That point, Warner's went. We've got a script floating around that is a bit about injustice yep. in the courtroom, and because they brought trial Taylor Hackford by jury, on. You, Interesting. There is, there are points of is trial by jury the best we can do? Because if a jury is so malleable and so as proven by the OJ mm. thing, then it, uh, there's a lot to be said about whether or not trial by jury is at all effective or fair. <laughs> okay, so I'm just finding something for a little bit, a little bit later. Ignore me, but because you shout at me for doing impressions. <laughs> I'm now having to watch a YouTube advert to get to a bit that I want to do later. I don't like your impression. <laughs> you don't like my I want, I want your Al Pacino and I'm your not... Arnold Schwarzenegger today. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Let's talk about Keanu Reeves' performance in this because he actually turned down a $12 million paycheck to appear in Speed 2 to appear in this movie instead. And once he was hired for this movie, he found out that the budget didn't allow for him and Al Pacino to be in the same movie. So he took a paycheck on this movie so they could afford Al Pacino because he was so desperate to work with him. And yeah. I think he actually, in Pacino's massive climactic moment, which we will talk about, <laughs> he holds his own. Yeah, of course he does. He's got some difficult lines that would be difficult for anyone to deliver. It's very hard to say, are you Satan? <laughs> I think that's quite hard. And then it's like, are you Dad? <laughs> like, that's... And then when he says, are you the Antichrist? That and, seems to no, come Yes, because Al Pacino at that point is sort of struggling. Goes, whatever. What, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, but it's also the way he's saying it. I think I disagree with you, Alex. I think he's terrible in this. I think yeah. maybe someone with a, with a natural, who exudes a natural intelligence would be able to get away with some of those lines. Whereas when I see this guy in court, he just, his resting face is so confused <laughs> that I don't trust him and I wouldn't want him on my side. Well, that's how he lures you in, because you'd be all like, this guy don't know what yeah, he's, doing, know what he's and doing, and bang, you're in jail, Chris. How are you finding it but in there? I don't think he's supposed to look like that, though. That's that's kind of what Pacino does. So the casting of Pacino, he, he, he met a bunch of times for this, 
and kept turning it down. And Taylor Hackford met with him and he said, look, I don't feel like I'm like a devil. Like, why aren't Al you getting... Pacino doesn't think he looks like a devil. He said, why don't you get a Robert Redford or a Sean Connery, someone that just completely owns the room in a way I don't feel like I do. What? Al Pacino doesn't own a room. Why is he, why is he telling lies? <laughs> and so Taylor Hackford... Like the devil. <laughs> Taylor Hackford said, look, I want someone who's short. And he said, I was worried he was going to walk out of the room when I said that. Well, yeah. But he said, I want someone who you don't see coming. And and that's what convinced Pacino to do the role. That translates into the movie because doesn't Pacino 100%. give that huge speech, which I'm probably not going to read because it's fairly graphic, where he goes, oh, "I fuck this woman every day." For I am. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's upsetting. And it's the bit where he sort of goes, and she got out of bed, yeah. and she tried, she tried to, walk. to walk to the bathroom, and yeah. she looks back, and she can't believe it's me. And you're like, <laughs> I I don't know. Even my... Keanu Reeves looks a bit embarrassed. <laughs> At that point, he's like, all right, if you say so, Dad. <laughs> Always use the subway as well. What the hell was that about? I don't get that. Because... To be close to the people, he's listening to everyone so he can understand and get in oh, everyone's minds. I and thought so there it's... was going to be like a, a curse that means he can't get in. No, it's so he can... <laughs> <laughs> the original uh, director who was going to make it much, much, much uh, before this eventually came to be was Joel Schumacher. And right. he actually wanted to set a scene on the New York subway which featured the circles of hell from Dante's Inferno. (laughs) And it was going to be Brad Pitt instead of Mm. Gunnar Reeves. How do you feel about that? Better. Really? Better, yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not... Still not 100% on it. I think as well, Charlize Theron does... She, I'm not saying she props him up, but she, they're so cute together when, they're, when <laughs> things are going well that I really believe the two of them is like too big for this small town that they're from and, and all of that. And they're so sweet. Like, I swear, like, you more than anyone, what? if a couple like that were <laughs> at an event that you'd organise, just being all like, oh my God, you're so amazing. We're so amazing. Come here. I love you. Let me kiss you. Let me bite your ass. You'd be like... Go home, guys. <laughs> Get out. Do you not think it's sweet when they're in the lift and she says, say something nice, and he says, something nice. I was like, oh, you guys. Like, that's nice. Oh, sod art. So it's not written. That's not a realistic. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. Uh, no, I, I, I thought, I, I get what you're saying, and it, I think it works to show the decline of Charlize Theron after that and how their relationship changes, but they would be so <laughs> irritating to be around. <laughs> I don't know what that says about what you think I'm like, but well, let's not. I think I'd be the same. I'd be like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> it's, not, it's not right. It's, it's not appropriate. It's not. Everyone's sitting around having a nice... <laughs> trying to have a good time. Yeah, we're eating dinner and Charlie's Theron's <laughs> dancing on the table with a tequila shot in a hand going, I love my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That is irritating. <laughs> um, I want to raise this. Have you seen um, Always Be My Maybe on Netflix where Keanu Reeves plays himself? <laughs> I've seen no. the clip. I've oh, seen that scene. God. Yeah, yeah. It's genuinely the funniest thing I've seen this year. He plays himself, this like very spiritual bohemian <laughs> guy. And he goes to the rest of this posh restaurant and goes to the waiter. Do you have any dishes that play with the concept of time? <laughs> Speaking of Keanu Reeves and food, he once bought me popcorn. Really? Mm, at a screening of his directorial debut. Because this is the thing, more than ever at the moment, and I do agree with it, everyone says he is yeah. one of the nicest yeah. people I've, I've, in the world. I've only had really nice experiences with him. He, he often goes to this festival I go to in Austin, Fantastic Fest, and he's just so nice to everyone, yeah. hangs out, just talks movies. Yeah, cool. I can't wait to 
hear what he thinks about your description of his performance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I bought you popcorn, dude. Yeah. And you're like, you're uh, like oh, we need someone intelligent. Yeah, he looks so stupid. <laughs> I just, like, I don't stupid get Stupid blank face. He's not clever enough to understand this podcast, so we're fine. <laughs> cool, well, that was your last bucket of popcorn from Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I was once walking up the stairs in a bar and he was in the toilet queue. Like, like, not in some VIP toilets anywhere, just standing in the toilet queue, dressed all in black. This was recently. He looked just like John Wick. But when I walked up to him, I, it's the only time, because I've never interviewed him, and I desperately wanted to go, oh, I interviewed you for oh, yeah. But I couldn't do <laughs> it. have a hook. So while I just, I just stood next to him and pretended I was in the Continental from John Wick going, <laughs> yeah, I'm a badass assassin. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get on to the, the, the moment, because... This is one of those movies where everything is good, but everything is a build-up. And, yep. and Taylor Hackford literally said, this film is two hours of setup up really for is. a finale. Yep. He said, we know we were doing that. And what a finale. Let me give you a little inside information about God. God likes to watch. He's a prankster. Think about it. He gives man instincts. He gives you this extraordinary gift, and then what does he do? I swear, for his own amusement, his own private cosmic gag reel, he sets the rules in opposition. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> And while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. Just what a dream it must be to be sat there writing it and just be like, I'm just going to write this and this man is going to say it and everyone's going to see it. No problem. But you can say what you want. When he's, What does he say? Anger is the final fig leaf. Tear it off. That's fucking brilliant. God is an absentee landlord. <laughs> I love it so much. They spent they spent a week rehearsing that scene like a play, the three of them with the director. She like doesn't get too much. She, what, she has a, oh, no, because she's in it, but she's just having a whiskey or something, isn't she, at this point? She gets to do that really weird, like, I'm, I think we're going to have sex, but I want to show you that I've got a sense of humour, so I'm going to get naked, yeah. pose like Christ on the cross, and oh, go... Yeah. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> so who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Have a guess. Who am I? Who am I doing? Look, look, look. Arms out, head look, to side. Look, 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 who am I? <laughs> I don't. Uh, one thing I will say about seen, I don't think we needed him singing and dancing to the Sinatra. I thought okay, that was. Okay, why not though? It's so good. That was an ad lib by him. Apparently, s- when they were rehearsing, yeah, he started. I bet it was, and no one will dare say to him. Exactly, but you should Ooh, every now and actually. then. Just pull back. Yeah. Can we just like just let's like a little bit of restraint, please. Well, um, and so we find out the big twist in the film as well. Although we've mentioned the fact that he's his father. I thought it was a bit of a Star Wars moment, though, if you were paying attention. And I would have liked him to have I... said, That's not possible! <laughs> 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 That's your last bucket of popcorn from Mark Hamill as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the very end. We've had the big speech and we've had... Al Pacino go, you're my son. Right. Which something. leads on to the Keanu looking at him going, free will, right? Yeah. And then blowing his brains out. Mm. And yeah. we reset, reset the clock. Reset the clock. It's Brilliant. Like Groundhog Day. We're back at the courtroom at the start. And this time, Mr. Fingers Malloy 
is not going to get off. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not going to get off because Keanu's like, I can't represent him. And yeah. he walks down the stairs. Although and- in my memory, again, even though I've seen it a thousand times, he doesn't just quit the case as the right thing to do. He gets that man sent to prison because that's the actual right thing to do. I thought there was going to be a massive moment. You can't keep than- talking about what you thought happened in films <laughs> yeah, when you've true. just rewatched them and you know it didn't <laughs> yeah. happen. I, that is true. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter where you're going with this. That's, that's not right. If everything that I think happened gets taken out, I might not be in it anymore. But, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> don't say when you've re-watched. It would just be, And also, not to think that I know better than Tony Gilroy... Uh, but that is a better ending if he gets that man sent to prison. I feel like yeah. the implications there, though, that guy's now going to prison. Yeah. But what's happening to Keanu is here the press guy, the guy, the reporter from the press is like, yeah! you, I have done, it's a, you're a moral lawyer. Yeah. Now, that's fantastic. There's a story here. And we get that wonderful moment as Keanu Reeves goes, call me in the morning. Yeah. We'll do the story. Yeah. Walks downstairs and then in not the best CGI, <laughs> he morphs into Al Pacino who breaks the fucking fourth wall and looks directly at the audience and goes, vanity's my favourite sin. It's so fucking brilliant. (laughs) Not actually one of the sins, though. Is it not? Are you joking? It's not one of the seven deadly sins. What? Is it not in seven as well? No. What? I checked because I was like, doesn't, doesn't one of them amount to vanity though? But what about the model who she kills herself and because he cuts off her nose and then he leaves, what does he do? He leaves like some something next to her bed. Yeah, get your phone out, Chris. I double checked this, but it's like pride or... It's, oh, it's, yeah, is, is, it it, pride? is it pride? Is it pride, yeah. I think. Mm. So it's sort of a little bit like, oh, um, vanity is one of my, it's my favourite sin. It's like, all right, pick one of the seven though. It would be a better yeah, ending. It would. And you should know them. Mm. Because they're yours. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, that is. Yeah. But he does break the fourth wall as well as Burt Reynolds does in Smoking the Bandit. So <laughs> I'm happy with that. Pride, <laughs> greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath and sloth. Mm. Okay. So, so this, this film doesn't make any sense. Time for you to do your Brad Pitt impression. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> you know I love that impression. <laughs> I'm saving it for a future episode. <laughs> I don't, right get, in the bag. I don't get tired of that one. I really like that one. <laughs> so right in the bag. What's in the fucking bags? Why <laughs> right in the bags? Not right in the bags. <laughs> Do it for 20 minutes like an Al Pacino monologue. <laughs> I thought that was a great ending, and now what you've said about vanity, mm, I now I now think it's a class A New York style pig fuck. <laughs> oh, is that that is fucking brilliant! <laughs> he's, he's literally got his hand up the Mona Lisa skirt. Oh yeah! There's so brilliant. many good lines. Like we've got to move on sooner or later, but there's there is a lot to like it's, about that yes. devil. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, right then. So that is the Devil's Advocate moving on chronologically just two years to 1999, an end of days. All right, All right. I'll do my intro. It's all getting a bit Y2 crazy, as on the eve of the millennium, <laughs> a boo-bothering Beelzebub visits Earth in search of his bride and does battle with a dude called Jericho Kane and his partner Chicago. But be warned, those names are far from the dumbest things in this movie. <laughs> a thousand years, you have awaited my return. Take it easy, we are the good guys. They tried to kill me, why? She's been chosen. Chosen for what? If the dark angel consummates your flesh with this human body, then he unlocks the gate of hell. I really wanted this to be great. Do you know who directed this? The guy who directed The Relic, Peter Hyams. And I think The Relic is a fantastic movie. Hmm. I wish we were talking about that. <laughs> he did Time Cop and Sudden Death. He was a big JCVD guy. Mm. Yeah, he did the sequel to 2001, 2010. And he was also, uh, a callback to something we said earlier in the episode, um, very, very good friends with O.J. Simpson. Was he? And he know. features quite heavily in the Made in America documentary. Does he? Yeah, where he kind of, he's a guy that... I've seen that. He talks, he talks about his friendship with him and then he sort of discusses when <gasps> he kind of oh, realised... Yeah, yeah, he went to visit him in prison and stuff and OJ asked him to write a book and then he started putting the pieces together and he was like, oh, hold yeah, on. Yeah, it was a re- so interesting because you do believe that he believed he was... And then he, he's did. Like, he was my he was friend. Like, yeah. He directed him in Capricorn One. Like you don't, you don't watch that. I think that's someone just trying to get themselves out of a shitload of trouble by being like, "I didn't fucking know." Like you, you really believe that he didn't know, and then it just fell like the scales fell, mm. blah blah blah. And he then... also directed The Devil's Advocate, star Jeffrey Jones, and Stay Tuned. I <laughs> love that film. I love that film too. <laughs> I wanted to pitch that one. I really? That, yeah, I really, really one. like. That. I, I was thinking of that one in Galaxy Quest. We've done Galaxy. I know. Before we've done Galaxy. Right, okay, I see. Uh, I see. Uh, Um, This is Peter Hyams' highest grossing movie. Um, By all accounts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who stars as the aforementioned Jericho Crane. Kane. Kane. Is it Kane? It must be, because of Kane It's Jericho. It's Jericho Kane. So can we call him just Jerry from now on? Jerry's great. Happy with Jerry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If it's up to us, I mean... (laughs) 
uh, so it was uh, they were looking for a director and James Cameron. Uh, this was going to be a guy called Marcus Nispel. Uh, to direct it, who uh, would go on to direct uh, 2011's Conan the Barbarian. Uh, but he was going to direct it. It wasn't working out for some reason. James Cameron, Arnie's friend. I need to step in now. This is coming up now. Marcus Nispel. Mm. There are two different reasons for why he didn't make this movie. Oh, tell me. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind when I read them both. So um, in 2004, he claimed to IGN that it was because he had a $120 million budget and they won't allow him to spend it how he wanted to, especially as they wouldn't let him get make a movie with the violence that he thought this story should have. Mm. And so he said, I'm much happier making a $5 million movie. Mm. At the time, that's not the story that broke. Uh, just before they were due to start shooting, the Marcus Nispel manifesto went around Hollywood right? Uh, in August 1998. And uh, Variety printed, it was a, a 60-page dossier mm-hmm. of what he demanded from people when he was on set. I'm going to read you some of Marcus, Marcus Nispel's demands. Um, for a big star, a pretty PA of their prefer- preferred sex should always be there to keep tabs on talent. <clears throat> at the end of every conference call, producer and assistants <laughs> are to call Marcus at home to discuss his feelings about the call. Inform Marcus the exact moment a job falls through. He needs to stop thinking about an idea the moment it is not viable. Okay, fair um, enough. Marcus is last to be picked up and first to be dropped off religiously. Don't ask him, just do it. <laughs> and I think this is what got him sacked. Um, talent should be kept in visible distance from Marcus. They should be asked to remain quiet and not talk to Marcus unless he needs to talk to them. Now, when you're on an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you can't say shit like that. <laughs> Is there another one that says if Alex walks into the room when he's having a blowjob, Alex must leave immediately? <laughs> so this went, this went all I around. I think it would be the opposite. I think if Marcus maintains eye contact with you, you do not yeah, leave the room. you don't leave the room. Or you walk out backwards, yeah. but do not break eye contact. Get out of my bedroom, Marcus! <laughs> so reading between the lines. Dad! <laughs> Wow, he did it. Um, <laughs> Got to stay in now. <laughs> Reading between the lines, I think Arnie uh, saw that story, which went all around Hollywood. Steven Soderbergh even wrote a spoof version of it for himself. Um, and he, he just was said, in my local pub the other night. Really? Yeah, I know. Oh, that's nice. Did you have a wee next to him? No. You should hand him a script. I'm sure it works. <laughs> Not for this podcast. These are some notes I've made for end of days, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if you've seen it. in the pub, write a script super quick, and then hand it to him. But I'm pretty sure Pete, um, uh, Arnie read that and was like, sod this bloke. Yeah, Don't need him. him. Get rid of him. And so, as you say, James Cameron was mates with Peter Hyams. Mm, who said... Uh, let's use Peter for this and then after the movie came out and did not do that well and certainly wasn't well received by critics uh, Arnie says of Peter Hyams Hyams was the wrong director for the film he did not have the potential visually and intellectually to really do something with this movie Mm, I don't think it's Peter Hyams' fault it's Arnie's fault well it's it's Arnie's fault but but also I guess the script's fault the script was by a guy called Andrew Marlowe who had the idea to pit the devil against Arnold Schwarzenegger went and visited him on holiday because he knew him and they Arnie liked the idea and he was coming off the back of um, two bad films well he was coming off the back of Batman and Robin and heart surgery which wasn't a film but a very serious uh, issue he had and he wanted to show the world that he was back with a big action film mm. and so the idea of him taking on the devil he said I saw an interview with him he literally said I want to show the world I'm back mm-hmm Shit, I did oh, it. <laughs> oh, yeah, worried about my Arnie. Hello. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Tilly, the man of two voices. 
what what I think is funny about that is in his action films he's be, he's beating armies, but in this film to show his back, he's fighting an older, larger lady and a very uh, oh, yeah. Miriam Margot, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and 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 a priest, an elderly, <laughs> crippled priest. Like those are his two first two big fights. Yeah, and Gabriel Byrne isn't that well built either. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> There is a, yeah, it's not a great period, this for Arnie. This was sort of his last hurrah as a big leading action star. Well, fair enough, he was getting a bit older, but like you say, he'd done Jingle All The Way, Batman and Robin, then he did End of Days. The sixth day followed this, which I don't mind, but then the rot really set in with Collateral Damage, which is new to a good film. But it's understandable why he took this, because he's playing a more vulnerable character than normal. He's he's a He's a former cop who's having a, spiritual crisis he's an alcoholic he's got suicidal tendencies when we first meet him so it was him trying to do a bit of acting i know and it, i it, i said this to you that when i was like 10 minutes into the film and it just like hit me like a ton i was like i just wish it wasn't him like there's mm. so much that that i know where this this journey is gonna I and mean, the dead wife and child thing and all of that and he just, ugh, I don't want to slag him off because he's brilliant at what he does, but he doesn't do this. And I just wish it had been someone else. Oh, we don't meet Arnie until the 12th minute. And in those first 12 minutes, a lot goes on. Does it? Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, they pack a lot in. Yeah. Don't know and, what restaurants you eat in. Sorry, how often are you sitting at a table and a man exits the toilet, <laughs> makes out with you and gropes your breast? Which I, apparently I quite like. She's like, oh, it's kind of fun. And then blows and the restaurant. That's up. not that's not even the most extreme thing that happens in those first twelve minutes. Somebody rinses out a snake for no reason. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes, so that well, so let's oh. say we start in Vatican City, um, and oh, yeah. in seventy nine, and a baby's being born, and this baby is going to have in in twenty years will be having sex with the devil, and the Antichrist will be born, and so yeah. it's a race against time between. Uh, the Pope's people and the devil's people to find track this baby down and to put it into hiding and protect it. So it cuts to 20 years (laughs) later and the baby is born and Miriam Margulies, as you said, is in the film, which I'd forgotten. Yeah. I mean, there's a few actors that pop up in this five minute period that are quite exciting. Mm. Um, She grabs the baby, takes it down to the basement and Udo Kia who is the right kind of actor to have in this movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And again, I've met him in real life, a bit like the characters he plays. Oh, really? But in, he kind of leans into it. He kind of knows he scares people when he meets them. He's kind of... Good. Um, yeah, he cuts... Did he buy up... you popcorn? <laughs> he, cut... <laughs> he cuts open... it. No, he fed me uh, blood from a snake, <laughs> which is what he does to this baby. Yeah. Mm. But for no, it doesn't make any sense why. It... I thought, okay, so the baby's got like a hex on it or a whatever... That will come to bear later on, like the um, what's she called? She's in the craft. Is what she called? Robin Tunney. Robin, Robin Tunney. Yeah. So later on, so just to get into my main issue with this film, mm-hmm. she it's explained later on when she's all grown up that her parents are dead and she's been raised by Miriam Margulies and um, someone else. So she has no parents. So why not raise her as a devil worshipper? So that when Gabriel Byrne is like, hello, it's me, sexy time. She's like, fucking brilliant. I've been waiting all my life for this moment because I think the devil is amazing. They don't raise her with any belief system. Why not? Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, it cuts, it cuts to 20 years later and she's grown up and uh, Arnie or Jericho um, is I'm now working. with Jerry. Will you make your mind up? <laughs> <laughs> he is working uh, for Striker Security. Uh, and they are employed to protect a Wall Street scumbag whose body the devil has entered. Yeah. Yeah. But it, 
at that point, like what? He's barely in that scene, Gabriel Byrne. And why is he going to work? I don't know. And, and then, why are they protecting him? Because the priest is trying to shoot him, but it's yeah. made pretty clear a couple of times in the film that he's bulletproof. Yep. Apart yeah. from when it's not suitable for the film and so bullets start affecting yeah. him when arnie later on is like i'm now i'm gonna really shoot you it's like you've already seen with your own eyes that that doesn't work mm. so why do you insist on keep shooting him and this private security firm striker their security. security their own security is very lax like he walks in gets tilled up his boss is like what are you do he's like i'm finishing my job whatever he says and it's like you'd at least have to sign a form <laughs> to take <laughs> all those weapons yeah we've never used them they explode things yeah, yeah i'm taking them yeah they're mine it, yeah, nonsense. Now, uh, they also seem to act like a investigatory police force yeah. rather than a private security yeah. firm. They take it upon themselves to find out exactly who this assassin is, where he's come from, which is surely a job for the police. Yeah, they spend a lot of time following the police round or getting to places before the police, which makes me think, why didn't they just make them police? Yes. Yeah. I, that's they wouldn't have had thinking. to have all these contrivances. Here's your second A-level question of the day. Who is Thomas Aquinas? He was a philosopher. Yep. Yes, and a Catholic priest. Right. And he was big onto the death penalty, which I assume is why they gave him that name. Now, he is involved in a chase. Arnie chases him. And I feel, as a stunt, Arnie dangling from a helicopter yeah. sounded better on paper because <laughs> yeah. it looks fucking ridiculous. Because <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got his arms straight out <laughs> like, he's, like he's a little kid pretending to fly it's, it's like superman before they remove yeah, the wire work. Yeah. yeah and also he's chasing an old man yeah so surely he could just run after him with his legs and it's, it would it's, be it's one of those stunts that is that looks like one of the most incredible and um, in, dangerous stunts i've ever seen in my life and then it's not very effective yeah mm. um can we move on to where they start investigating where this weird priest with no tongue lived yep. in this mm-hmm. hole in the ground surrounded by crosses mm-hmm. and writing on the wall. This was the f- moment where I was like, I don't know that I can watch this movie if these are lines that someone has written and said in a script. Uh, is this Chicago's lines? This is where Arnie goes, hey, I found something <laughs> holding a jar. Yeah. Chicago goes, can you see what it is? And Arnie <laughs> goes, his tongue. What like <laughs> there's like twenty words there that don't need to ever be said. That's a re- yeah, it's, really, it's a really good point. Ridiculous. You just need to hold it up, and then yeah. you'll go. Oh, done. I have found something. <laughs> Pick it up. I have picked it up. <laughs> Look at it. I'm looking at it. What is it? It is a tongue. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And then there's another line straight after that where he goes. Arnie goes. This is no ordinary hitman. Hmm. And Kevin Pollock goes. No, this one is extraordinary <laughs> it's not great yeah it's not the whole thing is that she's called so robin tunney all grown up is called christine york it's like for fuck's sake um which just doesn't quite work either because i'm no, right down going so just oh my god if that actually spells christ in new york yeah it's brilliant it doesn't it no. spells christ in e york <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Thomas Aquinas has like like scratched that into his skin or gouged that into his skin. Well, he has a rough time of it in this film, I think. Yeah, I Poor think old gets, Tommy. Thomas Aquinas, he gets nailed to the ceiling. That's quite... Yeah, that's gets... a good moment. Yeah. I'll tell you what was good, actually, script-wise. When they're talking about... This is shit. So the, the mark of the devil is 666, but in dreams, the numbers appear backwards. That's not true, but whatever. 
So then someone's like, so it's the Millennium Eve 1999. And some character has the balls to be like, well, it just appears on New Year's Eve. That sounds fucking stupid, which it does. (laughs) But then the priest is like, no, the Gregorian monks worked out the date by the stars and did the calendar backwards. I was like, I buy that. But that's good. That's a good explanation. I literally checked out after they went... 666 isn't the number of the beast because numbers appear backwards in dreams sometimes. So it's 999. You're like, all right, even if I'm buying that, where's the one? It needs to be 1999. Like, what? It's no, you can't just go 999. And uh, one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The worst thing about that scene is um, then that jaded priest who tells everyone anything the minute anybody asks is then he's like, well, remember the greatest trick the devil ever pulled. And it's like, don't do that. Don't oh remind God. us of a better film. Yeah. A better film has also got Gabriel Byrne in it. Not at this and point. And Kevin Pollock. <laughs> yeah. And and does doesn't don't they both have scenes of like pissing and setting it on fire? I feel that there is one moment in this film that really defines exactly the kind of film we're watching. Hmm. And that is there is a three way orgy between Gabriel Byrne, a mother and her daughter mm. set to the soundtrack of Limp Biscuits. <laughs> now, new metal is not something you can have sex to. <laughs> the, the, I once had to. I once had to introduce Limp Biscuit on stage at Finsbury Park, and no one was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, the guy organised was like, "Do you want to meet the band before you uh, take them on stage?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, of course." And I was a Limp Biscuit fan at this point, mm. and I walk in, and Fred Durst is there. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to be introducing you on stage. Is there anything particular you want me to say? And you look me straight in the eye and went, no one introduces the Bizkit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. So I did. Is that, is, uh, the soundtrack features Corn, Everlast, Limp Bizkit, Rob Zombie, Creed, Guns N' Roses. Was this your favourite album at the time? <laughs> 1999, man. New metal was still a thing. It's a poor man's crow soundtrack, really, isn't it? Oh, I love oh. that soundtrack. I know you do. And I, that, that's why I wrote it down. It's just a crap voice. But yeah. that, that sex scene with the throwaway OJ, I, I watched a five-minute documentary about that threesome. Well, then maybe you can explain to me, if the, the devil is not strictly human because he's an angel, so the devil wouldn't be strictly straight, so why is the dad not involved? I think that's a great question. It just seems a little bit unfair. They, they asked Gabriel Byrne why he um, took the Agreed role. And he said, <laughs> because my character dresses cool and has sex with lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, I think it does spoil the film a little because clearly this devil is more concerned with shagging than completing his mission. Well, which is yes. why it fails at the yes, end. Yes, that really annoyed me. You've got the girl... And the whole job is impregnate her and you've had all fucking day, but you've waited until 11.59 to get on with it, after which point you won't be able to do it because it'll be the year 2000. What have you been doing Rather than Rather than finding her, he's sending um, men to fall to pieces in front of her on the tube. Oh, yeah, that was quite... I like that moment, I did actually. like that bit yeah. as well. Yeah, that, there's a documentary about that on the DVD as well. That that scene is called Shattering Albino. Oh, oh okay. Well, makes sense. Um, <laughs> I mean, very literal. Um, that was now, strange. Tell me about this. What, what Did you actually glean anything interesting from this five-minute documentary about a three-way orgy in this movie? Um, I could have gone through life without ever seeing it. They had to spend a lot... Because there's obviously quite a few digital effects as the two women sort of... Mesh what rolls one. almost yeah. and so they had to film it over and over again with them being in exactly the same position so it just seemed like a very 
uncomfortable scene. I'd have liked it if Gabriel Byrne had put some fake tan on his legs because... Oh, I know, they are disappointingly real. Very pale. Now, as yeah. a man who... so He's an Irishman, though. They will, they will have you white see, legs. Now, I never, ever wear shorts, and I've reached the point where I cannot wear shorts because if I take my trousers off and put shorts on, my legs look like forked lightning reaching the ground. They're, they're, they're so pale. <laughs> Um, may that's I ju- from an old stand-up set, isn't it? <laughs> Don't try your old material. <laughs> uh, it's still got legs. Oh, oh very good. <laughs> I tell you, the the best moment because, as from a writing perspective, the old show don't tell. Mm. When uh, Chicago walks into Arnie's apartment, the first time you see Arnie, and he's a bit of a mess, and he brings him a coffee, and he makes that monster smoothie. So he puts the coffee in the blender. Oh. The Gaviscon, I was like, at that point, I was like, yes, please. Yep. But then he puts in some pizza and some vodka and something else. Some Chinese food. Yeah, as you said, Pepto-Bismol. And yeah. then some floor pizza. Some floor pizza. Some pizza yeah. and then some more but pizza like from that, the floor. Because you've got, like, we need to establish that this character <coughs> lives like this. So the lame ways, like, gives him the coffee, says, oh, I really need this coffee, drinks the coffee. But to have the disgusting smoothie is a better visual way of doing that. Okay, but have a good payoff, because then he makes it, doesn't even bother taking it out of the blender, starts drinking it, yeah. offers it to Kevin Pollock, mm. who just goes, no, no I'm fine. Yeah. Like, no, I'm fine. That's, <laughs> yeah. your, that's your funny line to end the scene. No, I'm fine. Yeah, that's not would he, the way. Would he be in Arnie's shape if that was he was just drinking? Drinking that and alcohol. It's the pizza that threw me because mm. pizza is always used. To, we should have talked about this in Deep Impact, but it's not the most exciting. Or Armageddon, I can't remember which one it was. Pizza is always used to denote like you're a schlub, like you haven't got... Like haven't... I said, Sandra Bullock in the bloody net and you all said, nah, she's fine. She's all yeah, she's eating is pizza. She doesn't really eat it. I... Let's move on to one very, very cool moment, which is where, and it's obviously about to happen. Is it the where... cat in the fridge? Oh no, that, that is cool. Um, <laughs> cat in a fridge. <laughs> it's when the police go, come out with your hands up, and he's got his hands up. Oh, yeah, up, that's great. And then he's <laughs> yeah. hidden two pistols up his sleeves yeah. and he pulls them out and goes, bah, bah, bah. yeah, that's great. That is good. <laughs> I realised that was like Steve Coogan in the day to day, where it's like, and one officer <laughs> went, no! <laughs> but that's oh, all I saw. That's fine. This close to partridge. <laughs> well, well, I've, I've written down wildly ineffective Pope. He oh, didn't God. make any impact on me when I watched this in 1999, but now he's Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad, who was. Oh, is he? Yeah. And it's is like, he? oh, it's that guy. Oh, that's good. I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he. You, no, you do see him actually. Yeah, that's yeah, just you. you. Do. That's just you not paying attention. Not paying attention, no. Um his Vatican Knights seem to be ineffective as well. Yeah. And also I feel like they should get a, a spin off like Baywatch Knights. <laughs> <laughs> that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Sexy Vatican. A better Knights. Uh, what I've cause the I like the fact that the Pope was like the, I like the idea that it's about faith and that it will all work out if you just believe right right until the last desperate moment. So I thought that when Arnie's throwing himself out of the window, he was going to let go, he was going to die. That was going to be an ultimate show of faith and then God would appear and then you'd have God versus Gabriel Byrne in a big showdown. Mm. That's a better film. That is a better film. Mm -hmm. That scene is the one where Arnie says to the devil, you're a choir boy compared to me. I know, and it's like... What's he really getting at there? You're not, mate. No, I don't think so. Oh, that's where... Because I I drink floor pizza. And also, the dead wife of child thing. (laughs) You know that that annoys me when women get killed to give a man a bit of character, like to make him seem really interesting and complex because he's hurting. Because that's how it works in real life. But the thing is, isn't it quite rare for someone's whole family to get killed? Like, if you only watched action films you'd think it was really normal 
for all these widowers to be walking yeah. around with all this pain. So I know the film that we're in and I know there's no other way of doing it, but it's like, what a perfect family life you've got. Like, you're not in the room. You were at work at this point. Wouldn't it be better if they were really slagging you off? Like, because you can't see it, but it's like, oh, we can't wait for daddy to get home. Oh, no, I love my husband. I can't wait for him to come home either. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, it would just be funnier and better if it was like, well, you know, we're having problems, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to go and live with your nan for a bit. Don't tell daddy that this man is in the apartment. Yeah. And I didn't have wine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually fed you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I haven't just wet your hair, you have had a bath. <laughs> and I did not drop you on your head. I'm not even laughing at that. <laughs> in, in that scene where the, the the thugs come into his house, did you recognise the actor Sven Ole Thorsen? No. Former uh, England football coach. <laughs> oh dear. Hello, Partridge. <laughs> I, uh, I think I know that one. <laughs> That's not bad. Uh, he's an actor. Uh, he's a former bodybuilder. Uh, do you would like to know some of the films that he has appeared in? Uh, Red Sonja. <laughs> Red Sonja. I, I don't actually need you to say yes or no. I will be reading them out. <laughs> Red Sonja, Raw Deal, Eraser, Jingle All the Way, mm-hmm. Batman and Robin, End of Days. That's this one. Um, yeah. yeah, basically every Arnold Schwarzenegger film he gets to appear in because they're mates and he's yeah. got big muscles. Um, have we got any more on uh, End of Days? I think, no, I will say this. That I think the reason this film doesn't work for me is crystallised in one scene. And that's when, you mentioned it earlier, Vicky, when Arnie goes to pick up all his artillery, artillery from uh, the... Striker where security. he works. Striker security. Mm-hmm. And how that's normally one of the most exciting scenes in an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Yeah, when he tools up. Yeah. When he tools up. And it's done with so little flair. It's done with such solemnity that it's like... You you haven't understood what you've got here. Yeah. You haven't understood what this should be. Yeah. And also, he picks up the guns and he kicks open the door and he walks out is what should happen. But he picks up all the guns, then goes on the computer and goes, so where are they exactly? <laughs> it's like, look them up, then get the guns, yeah. then be kick cats. Don't get the guns and then go, I'm covered in... admin. I can't even get comfy in this chair because I've got so many missiles strapped to me. What's the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> Uh, all right then so that is devil's advocate versus end of days so uh, vicky you picked them who do you want to go first uh chris all right chris which are you picking as our winning film today well i think both films uh have two pretty terrible central performances nonsense what um but what that means is... Devil's I love you, Ad- Keanu. <laughs> Devil's Advocate is all the better because Al Pacino's having to do even better acting because of who he's opposite. Um, Jesus Christ. The guy bought you popcorn. Um, Just even manners, manners alone. I really like the moral of Devil's Advocate, which I didn't get to mention earlier, but the moral of that film is listen to your mum and listen to your wife. <laughs> I think that's... Strong. Strong. Um, and in terms of end of days, Arnie versus the devil should be a lot more fun than it was. And so for that reason, it's devil's advocate. Um, okay. I'm going to chime in with, quite simply, one of these is a film that if I ever see it again, <laughs> I am probably going to crucify myself. <laughs> the other is a kick-ass piece of cinema that is flawed, but also has... Just Al Pacino being awesome and Keanu Reeves. 
being even better. <laughs> so for Stop that reason, I'm going for the devil's advocate. Just undermined your, you just undermined your argument with that. No. Yay! That's, no. a, that's a good That's a good. Okay, ending. so I, where would the third vote have gone, Vicky? I think we know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, as you told me, it's one of your, might be your favourite film of all time yesterday. I think yesterday. it might be my favourite film of all time. I honestly think, I just... I'm in raptures every time I watch it. I think it's brilliant. I think the callbacks are brilliant. The dialogue is brilliant. I love all the performances. I have to say, Gabriel Byrne makes a brilliant devil, actually. Yeah, he's great. Um, but it's, the rest of the furniture is not right. So it would have to be Devil's Advocate for me, obviously. Mm. I guess the only thing that would make Devil's Advocate better for you is if Charlize Theron was replaced with Sandra Bullock. Oh, my God! Can you believe Can you that? Imagine? You would explode. Oh, my God. Right, well, that is it. Devil's Advocate is the winner on this week's Clash of the Titles. <laughs> The Devil's Advocate. So, on to next week's show. It's my turn to pick, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for this. I was waiting for this reaction. I was waiting for this. I actually came up with a really good one. Well, we'll be the the judges of that. Okay. So, uh, the two movies I am picking... Which way round? Which way round? Who gets what? Can you be quick? (laughs) (laughs) Bit warm. <laughs> so, uh, Vicky. Yes. From 1986, you get Labyrinth. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, which means, Chris, from 1992, you get Free Jack. Free Jack. <laughs> okay. Jagger Free Jack. Jagger. Oh, hello. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So those are your two movies. Uh, we'll be back next week. What is the connection between them? You can get in touch with us if you wish. The address is what? Uh, show at ClashPod.com um, or at ClashPod on Twitter if you want to drop us a line. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much for listening. Next week it is Labyrinth versus Free Jack. And don't forget, if you can subscribe to us, we'd love it on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye. 